Well, our scripture passage this morning is about one of those moments. And it's about that moment in the life of Moses. So here now a reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. May God bless the reading of the word. The familiar burning bush narrative is one of the most amazing and mysterious passages that we have in our Bible. How does a bush burn without being consumed? Why did God choose to speak through fire to Moses? And perhaps most pertinent on Moses' mind is why me that God is speaking to through this bush? Let's back up just a moment to recall why Moses was on this mountain in the first place. He was hiding out. If we look back just one chapter in Exodus chapter 2, Moses sees an Egyptian slave master feeding a Hebrew man and so he kills the Egyptian and buries his body in the sand. We can call it righteous indignation. We can call it an act of justice, protecting one of the downtrodden who was being oppressed. But Pharaoh's police force called it murder. And fearing punishment for this deed, Moses has run off to the Sinai Peninsula where he lives for 40 years as a shepherd. We have to wonder what these years were like for Moses. Was he remorseful for this act? Did he miss his life in Egypt? 
Did he manage to forget it all out in the hot sun and dry heat? Surely after 40 years, Moses had resolved that this is just what his life would be from now on, up here in the Sinai Peninsula. But while he was keeping the flock, this bush on fire catches his attention. Who knew that on that mountain, on that particular day, that Moses would stumble across God? Moses certainly didn't expect it. He was hiding out. He did not want to be found. He was in his own self-imposed witness protection program, hiding out from the people who wanted to punish him for killing this man. We don't know initially if Moses knew the voice that was calling out to him, but the voice definitely knew Moses, as the voice says, Moses, Moses. After telling Moses to take off his shoes, the voice says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. An encounter like this had to have been so incredible, so amazing, but also so terrifying. It is completely understandable that Moses was afraid in this moment. Not only is he in the presence of God, but I'm sure he is afraid of what is going to happen to him now that God has found him on this mountain. But instead of punishment or anger, God calls Moses to be a prophet. A prophet is a person who receives a word from God and delivers that word to the people. What a high and holy honor to be the mouthpiece of God. Except that often these words from God come in ways that are extremely convicting and challenging for the people who receive it. And this is no exception. God tells Moses that he has seen the misery of the Israelites in Egypt. He has heard their cry. He has seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them. And God is sending him, you, to go and confront the person in charge of it all. It's no wonder that Moses feels hesitant. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? We can all imagine thinking, Surely there's someone more qualified, a better person for this huge, life-changing task. When we read this story in isolation, like we have this morning, it's hard for us to separate it from the other stories we know about Moses, the what's coming up on next week's episode, if you will. I mean, he's Moses, the one who will, spoiler alert, be the greatest prophet of all time, he will lead the Israelites out of Egypt. But this story that we've read this morning takes place before all of that has happened. Before he is the Moses that we know of as Moses. This is the turning point where God captures his attention and his life is forever changed. Moses felt ill-equipped. It felt very sudden to him, this interaction with God. Yet when we look back over his life, we can see God's protection over him and God's love for him from the moment that he was born. When Pharaoh demanded that all baby boys under the age of two were to be killed, his mother placed him in a basket so that he might be spared. And who should find him floating in the water but Pharaoh's own daughter? Feeling compassion for this baby that she found, she scooped him out and adopted him as her own. But oh wait, she needed someone to feed this baby. So Moses' sister stepped in, suggested there was a Hebrew woman who perhaps could feed the baby. 
who was Moses' mother, who got to not only nurse her baby boy, she got paid for doing it, and got to see him grow up. I mean, this is amazing. It's easy for us to see God's hand when we look back on a story like this, especially when we know the whole story. A story of profound faith, of miracles, of things that are, that are so amazing. But how often do we take the time to consider God's movement in our own lives? Sometimes we may feel like we have nothing in common with these huge characters like Moses. But really, if whether we have these moments throughout our life when God does work in mysterious ways, whether it's through a new friendship that we form, moving to a new city, we all have these turning points that can be life-changing. A huge turning point in my life was when I went to Huntington College. But it was not a turning point in the way that I expected it to be. First, you should know that from a very young age, I did not want to go to Huntington College. Because both of my parents went to Huntington College. And it just felt obnoxious to even think about going there. It's a very small liberal arts college, and I did not want to be Joe and Michelle's daughter at college. I was moving away. You know, I kind of wanted this fresh start. That's what you need to know at the beginning of this. So fast forward, I'm getting a little older. My dad is very sick. During all of this, I got to see the way that healthcare workers can care not only for the person who is sick, but for the family too. And they extended this amazing compassion that even in the midst of the worst thing that was happening in our lives, I felt drawn to what they were doing. So I feel like the seed was planted at an early age to want to do some compassion-based job. And the only one I could imagine at the time was healthcare. So my junior and senior year of high school, I took any class that was connected to a life of healthcare. You know, I took like human anatomy, I took a nursing class, I did a summer internship, trying to imagine where I could see myself working in the medical field. When I applied to colleges, and I applied to like seven of them, one was Huntington because of the free application. I said that my major would be biology. That was my declared major going into college. So when I stepped onto Huntington's campus for a tour, I was really surprised when it felt like home immediately. I mean, I was pretty annoyed about this. Again, because I really did not want it to feel so good, but it did. From the students I met, to the student life, to the professors, to all the programs they had, I knew without a doubt that Huntington is where I was supposed to be. However, six months into the semester, when I'm taking all of these science classes, you know, for my medical future, <laughs> things were not going well. I felt zero connection to the studies. I felt no passion for what I was doing. And my grades were showing it. This was not what I was supposed to be doing. So in a meeting with my um, advisor, halfway through that first year, or halfway, yeah, halfway through the first year, she asked me, well, where are you finding joy and meaning at Huntington? Because you seem to like it, but these classes don't seem to match up with the joy you're feeling everywhere else. I thought about it for a minute, and you know, beyond my friends and the student life, I love my religion classes. <laughs> And I loved the church that I was working at down the road. And I loved playing music with campus ministries. And so I told her all of these things, and she said, huh, 
Well, it sounds like there may be something else that you were supposed to be doing. I knew that college would be a turning point. It was one of those things that you can see coming for 18 years if your parents are academically minded and push you that direction. But who knew that Huntingdon would be such a great school? Who knew that there were compassion-based jobs outside of healthcare? Who knew that women could be ministers? God knew. And through many gentle nudges and my stubbornness along the way, I came to understand that Huntingdon was a turning point in my life, in my faith, and in my calling. Many times this is what a life of faith is like. Taking each day as it comes, step by step, putting one foot in front of the other, trying to be faithful. There may be moments where it feels like God is uninvolved or uninterested in what we're doing. And then when we least expect it, something is put in front of our paths that we cannot ignore. The things that led Moses to being the Moses that we know of now is that he chose to trust God even in the strangest of circumstances. He allowed what happened on that mountain to change him and to spur him forward. Sure, he was afraid. Sure, he was intimidated. But he still chose to trust God and to trust what God said to be true. He trusted that it was really God speaking through the burning bush, calling him to be a prophet. He trusted that God would be with him as he approached Pharaoh. He trusted that God was with him as he instituted the ten plagues. He trusted that God would be with him as he led the Israelites out of Egypt, as he split the Red Sea and wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. This turning point on the mountain was a catalyst for Moses' future faith and leadership. The daily choices he made after that encounter helped shape him into the Moses that we know and remember today. So when you think back over your life, I wonder which turning point has affected you and the decisions that you make every day. Not many of us will have burning bush experiences where God speaks to us directly through a physical item in our path. But I do believe that God uses divine nudges and small everyday moments to guide our steps. So I invite you today to reflect on those turning points, giving God thanks for bringing you where you are today and being curious about where that turning point might lead you from today. May we, like Moses, allow God to capture our attention and to lead us into a life of deeper faith. In the name of God, our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.